0: This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. When a genetic test is returned, it may contain something frustrating for both patient and clinician alike, and that's a variant of unknown significance, or VUS. These VUS could potentially be linked to a particular condition— Or, on the other hand, they might not have anything to do with it at all, but there just isn't enough data to know one way or the other. And though researchers have learned more and more in recent years about the connections between variants and diseases. The number of VUS has increased as well, according to David Goldgar, professor at the University of Utah School of Medicine and investigator at the Huntsman Cancer Institute.
1: There's been two things going on. One is that as we learn more, we're able to classify more variants of the US and but at the same time we're testing a hell of a lot more people and so it's staying about 50 percent. You know, for every one that's clearly a pathogenic variant or clearly benign, we tend to find one or two VUS. So I think the, the fact that testing has increased and not only has it increased, but it's increased particularly in individuals who don't have as strong a family history or a personal history as they did 20 years ago, so that you're not as likely a priori to find a pathogenic variant. And that that also has changed over time and that adds to the problem that we're facing. So it's still a big problem. You would think after 25 years of finding these genes, we'd know all the answers, but it's it's a bit surprising that we don't. And part of it is most of these uh, sequence variants, these VUS, are quite rare. So getting enough data to hand to classify them based on clinical data can be difficult.
0: More than a decade ago, Dr. Goldgar and his colleagues investigated the clinical relevance of VUS in BRCA 1 and 2 using clinical genetic tests from 60,000 people. Now, a decade later, they once again investigated the clinical relevance of VUS in BRCA 1 and 2, With BRCA 1 and 2, the likelihood of a woman with a personal and family history of breast or ovarian cancer carrying a pathogenic variant is relatively high compared to many other cancer genes. For the study, the team first collected the results from 175,000 genetic tests. They excluded women who didn't have clinical data about personal or family history, as well as those who had a pathogenic
1: variant in another
0: cancer predisposition gene. This left just over 138,000
1: individuals. Basically, what we did was compare the individuals who didn't have a BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation or even a VUS and compared those to a group of individuals, mostly women, who did have a pathogenic variant in BRCA1 or BRCA2. So we had those two groups. We had a lot more of individuals who didn't have a variant than those that did, of course. And um, But basically, we developed a prediction model based on their personal characteristics, including some of the characteristics of their breast uh, tumor. So their history of breast, ovarian, pancreatic, cancer, and the family history of those. I think we had some prostate cancer family history in there as well. So basically, the idea is to take, I think there were something like 29 different features that we used to predict, uh, discriminate between those that, that, when tested, were found to have a, a pathogenic BRCA1 or 2 variant and those that were negative. And then once we built that model, we could apply it to individuals who had one of these VUS. And that would give us some information about how likely uh, the VUS was to be – in other words, we're trying to see which group these VUS fall into, the the nothing group or the – BRCA1, BRCA2 pathogenic group.
0: In doing so, by incorporating family history into this model as well, they were indeed able to reclassify a handful of the VUS and provide evidence to aid in the classification of many others. And then they took this analysis a step further. They analyzed groups of variants based on where they are on the gene and the functional changes of the amino acid.
1: We know that there are only certain parts of the gene where the kinds of uh, genetic changes that we're looking for are likely to cause disease. And there's a whole large parts of the gene, these uh, particular VUS, we can almost, but not quite say, well, they aren't pathogenic, Um, no need to worry. And and so part of what we're doing is generating the evidence that will allow essentially just by saying, oh, this variant was found in this position in, in the gene. Therefore, you know, we can say it's very unlikely to be pathogenic.
0: Dr. Goldgar says this reclassification of groups of VUS is probably one of the most important aspects of this new paper. The results demonstrate that, based on a functional understanding of where the variant is on the gene and what it does, entire groups of VUS are more or less likely to be pathogenic. The team is already using their approach to attempt to reclassify variants, as well as classes of variants, for other cancer-related genes. Dr. Goldgar says that one of the main challenges to date has been how rare these VUS are, and he's hoping the approach of analyzing them with the goal of grouping them, as opposed to determining the pathogenicity for each individual variant, will aid in solving the challenging clinical issue of how to approach VUS.
1: That's why... A lot of the main analysis, useful analysis, might have been in this grouping of variants, so where we couldn't make any any inference about a, a variant that we saw one time, but if it's in a class where we say, well, now we know that that variant has, has kind of an 80% chance of being pathogenic, then um, we can use that information in, in other ways. And as we move forward we can use these data that are generated from studies like this one to calibrate functional assays. And and so if we can show that the functional assay, which is testing things in a cell or something, that it accurately reflects what happens in a person in terms of cancer risk, I mean, that will be a big step forward because we won't need to worry about having all this uh, genetic data. We'll be able to do these functional assays on 20,000 variants at a time, and then know, based on that result, whether a variant is pathogenic or not, because we have calibrated that functional assay with genetic clinical data, such as was generated in this study.
0: Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.